Today's episode is brought to you by Sweaty Betty. Their five-star rated bum sculpting power leggings are made to perform for every sport and are crafted to wick away moisture even during the sweatiest of workouts. The high-waist and super stretchy material holds everything in place and supports through your whole workout. With so many colors and prints, you'll want to wear these from the studio to the street. Right now, you can try your first pair of power leggings for 20% off when you go to SweatyBetty.com and use the code GLOSSY. Once again, that's SweatyBetty.com and use the code GLOSSY. Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host, Hilary Milnes, and on today's episode, Stacey Fetter, the CMO of Hudson Yards, discuss the planning process that went into building and marketing the new development, how Hudson Yards works with retailers, and the evolving meaning of experiential. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, Stacey. Hi. Thanks so much for coming in. So Hudson Yards opened, what was it, May now? May? March. March. March, March. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's been a few months in. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about, you know, what was your role like ahead of the launch and how has it changed since it's been open? Like, what has that transition been like? Sure, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, it's been an incredible transformation, personally and professionally, obviously. But um, for a long time, we had concentrated on the brand and, and what Hudson Yards as a neighborhood could be for New York and the world. Mm-hmm. And in a city full of great neighborhoods, that's a lot of pressure, but we took it really seriously. And, you know, we thought about what it would be like to be there, what the fun would be had, the joy, the soul of it, you know, and what's in between the buildings that really makes it tick, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, I'm a lifelong New Yorker. So, you know, I was born in the Bronx, you know, I've been here my whole life. And so I take neighborhoods personally seriously, you know, Mm -hmm. and delivering on that promise to fellow New Yorkers and... And so I thought a lot about it, and we studied it really closely. And so we thought about being at the top of Chelsea and what that meant and what art and culture means to New Yorkers in that side of Manhattan at the at the top of the High Line, you know, and what that means to the world and, like, how people are experiencing the High Line from all over and what could make their experience better. About residents that would live there, you know, and at, you know, the south end of Meatpack, uh, South Penn, uh, South end of Hell's Kitchen and, you know, meatpacking right there and what workers, you know, we would have 40,000 workers who would call this place home every day. And Mm -hmm. in New York, we take our work really seriously. And so probably spend more time at work than home for most of us, right? So what is it like to work there and how can we make the employees that are spending their days there better, you know? And so we really dove into all of those kind of experiences and thought about what we could do. So we thought about like high touch experiences, our service. Uh, We thought about the different ways we can work with our retailers to do only ad experiences. Oh, you said only ad? Only ad. Only ad. So only at Hudson Yards experiences. So we have a really big movement of like only at Hudson Yards you Mm -hmm. can experience this, right? Right. Whether it's the product or the service or the event or so we really, you know, we, we thought about that a lot and we delivered on that. And so now as like we come out of it, it's been incredible because, mm-hmm. you know, the world showed up and they're having a lot of fun. 
fun and there's like a citizenship. And when somebody says to me, you know, man, you blew up my Instagram feed again today. I mean, it's just amazing. Like people are embracing the vessel. They're embracing the experience and they're having a good time there. So mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, really thrilling for me, you know, and now we just have to do a really good job of keeping it fun and keeping it you know, with the products that people want and the experiences that people want. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. How do you define or how does Hudson Yards define a neighborhood? Like how did like what went into thinking about what the different components would be sure. and then eventually how that how that got to you and, and how you were essentially supposed to package it all up, bundle it, brand it and market it and, and just convey that message to people, especially in New York, where you might be a little bit skeptical. Like, what is this? Sure. I mean, we never we never backed away from the fact that we were new. But, mm-hmm. you know, we have a strong belief that New York is about being new. So delivering on that is sort of a fundamental principle. But we really, like even eight, nine years ago, we studied, we asked New Yorkers through studies, surveys, what they loved about their neighborhoods and tell us about it. And, you know, whether it's security or safety or a variety of offerings. I love that I have this fancy Italian restaurant next door, but that I also can grab a, you know, a, a sandwich, you know. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of like all these things that people love about our, their neighborhoods and the way they describe them we took that all into account. So we studied the entire New York DMA and asked people, you know, even people more in Brooklyn and out on the outskirts of Manhattan who tend to have more residential offerings, like, what do you love about your neighborhood? And then we studied that over time and looked at what we were trying to offer and what we were missing. And I remember... A co- probably around five years ago when fun was a really big deal that I have fun in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know if we have enough fun. Mm-hmm. Like we need to think about like what is the real surprise and delight and fun of this place. And and so we worked on how do we partner and how do we work with our collaborators to embody fun? What's mm-hmm. fun? Right. And so that over time that became our roadmap, you know. And so the North Star was always creating a place that would have that reflection on being a new neighborhood, but having the DNA of what people love about their neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So um, that was probably a seven, eight year journey in my career of like doing that year over year and then steering the brand accordingly with our partners and our collaborators. Mm -hmm. Um, So you'll see the trajectory of Hudson Yards and sort of how the brand was being built. You know, we worked with certain partners over time to embody those 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 real components, personality of neighborhood. Right. Yeah, so having seen that through the whole time. So Hudson Yards is owned by related companies. Correct. Uh, and you've joined, you've been there for, for a while now. And so you have, you've basically seen, have you seen this through since since the launch? Or yeah. not even, like, well before the launch, like yeah. the early stage. Yeah, so I, um, I actually opened up Columbus Circle. Mm-hmm. So I worked on that. And then, you know, very much at that time, it was, you know, the, we, we concentrated on the same of bringing, connecting Upper West Side, you know, really to the park, to everything that surrounds that area, hyper-localized strategy, um, you know, understanding our consumer. And then and then when Hudson Yards really started in earnest, I joined the team, mm-hmm. you know, and really have been with it since groundbreaking. Right. Uh, and how, how did that perspective help you to, to really just own like what, what this neighborhood would be and who, how it would be positioned to, to the city? Like, you know, imagine if someone had come in, okay, like, oh, we're, we're a year out of launch, um, and, and just tried to, to absorb all of that. Um, you know, how did that perspective kind of help you put you in that position to, to really sell it? Sure. Um, well, I think what sets my mindset apart and sort of my gut at this point in my career is that a lot of people become experts in one aspect 
of a career, right? I'm a really good residential marketer. I'm a really good commercial office marketer. I, you know, product marketer, whatever. I'm a, you know, influencer. I create content, whatever it is. Like people choose a lane Mm -hmm. because they're told to choose a lane, right? Mm -hmm. And that's typically how my industry and career and my peers have gone. What I did was I loved great places. And so, you know, a long time ago, I worked at South Street Seaport, you know, and um, back in the day, and that led me to working on Faneuil Hall and all these great places. And so my perspective, even early on, was like, how do I make the experience great for everyone? Mm -hmm. You know, so I wasn't thinking about it from a certain audience segment or a certain product type. I was thinking about the place and how I can help influence a great place and, and, you know, and really push on that on all, on all levers. Right. Mm -hmm. So that choice to be good at that, because I love it has really prepared me. I had a toolkit all of a sudden over the last 20 years that's helped me be ready for a lot of the things that are quite unusual and look at the whole spectrum of opportunity in a different way, right? So I don't really, I'm not a linear thinker in any way, so I look at it as a spectrum of opportunity. So like that has really helped me um, think of Hudson Yards and look at at, at this place as a unique opportunity where all different kinds of people can have a great time. Mm-hmm. And so with with the work you did on Columbus Circle and Hudson Yards now, like what do you think that says about the state of just New York's retail real estate? Like what what type of new experiences are people looking for, but also just brands that are, you know, looking to appear in a different way? Um, you know, it's it's multi-brand retail, but it's mm-hmm. not, you know, a more traditional setting. Um, you know, how, how have you seen that kind of evolution of how brands are thinking about where they can show up in these cities? It's been, you know, I think everyone's studying. It's a very, it's been a, it's been a long journey of disruption. So rethinking your business is critical. Um, but I think what I'm loving is that a lot of brands, whether they're digital native or brick and mortar traditional, are seeing an opportunity for people to meet their brand mm-hmm. in their store. And like, I know experience, experiential is like the new word, but like the idea of like meeting meeting my brand, right? Like whether or not my customer wants on demand or on the go or curated for me or only products here. Like if you know your customer, you can create a place where they can meet your brand in a really intimate way. Mm -hmm. And the brands that are doing that are really succeeding that I've seen. Like this is a really good example. We identified a trend a couple of years ago at Columbus Circle most most of the, most of the big brands were brick and mortar and the digitally natives were coming up and we saw some amazing luxury legacy brands seeing a huge amount of online buying in uh, the Upper West Side and right around Columbus Circle. Mm -hmm. And they had decided because of the incredible purchasing power that was happening that they would do pop-ups, right? And so this is six, seven, eight years ago, right? So the idea that like they knew they had to have a place for people to meet their brand, to meet their product because they saw so so much opportunity happening online, like that's that was really good thinking. And Mm -hmm. that helped inform some of the decisions we made at Hudson Yards, you know, that like it's very fluid for the customer today, whether they shop in store or online. And so you have to meet their demand on how they see Mm -hmm. their choice, right? right? Do you think that raises the bar a bit for what people expect from the in-store experience? I think it does. Mm -hmm. I really do. I mean, I think, you know, everyone jumped in the technology pool, the digital pool, right? And said, oh, we're going to put a lot of screens and we're going to put a lot of things. But now people are realizing that without that personal experience, you know, you have to have both, Mm -hmm. right? You have to you have to just know your customer. Like right. those are the winners, right? The ones that really think about what their customer wants and study and keep the conversation open with them. Mm-hmm. And I think 
that bar ha- has is up there. And so people who get that, pro- products and brands that get that, are, I, I think will flourish. Right. So so speaking to that, the array of retailers that are in Hudson Yards, uh, it, you know, really varies from online startup brands uh, to to bigger box retailers like a like a Neiman Marcus is there, Zara is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do you kind of look at this assortment of, of retailers that you have and think like, OK, how can we use this like combined force of foot traffic that these different companies are going to drive, but also like almost take it to that next level because I imagine that the strategy is not just like open the doors and, and then let it happen. <laughs> no, no. I hate when people say field the dreams, you build it, they will come. I'm right. like, that is not true. <laughs> so um, so the idea that, I mean, so we've been working very in close collaboration. I think one of the differences that, you know, we bring to the table is we're partners through and through, you know, so we work as closely with Neiman Marcus as we do with Jose Andreas um, as Jemmy. Like we just, you know, we really want to partner and we want to tell the unique story that happens in that location mm-hmm. with, not with, not, you know, it's a big with. So like we, since about the last five years have been spent telling those stories. And now moving forward, you know, we have retail councils. We're in with the retailers every day. Like, what's new? What's new on the shelves? Like, what's what's different about the store? How can, you know, anything interesting? Like, mm-hmm. how do we work together to create a citizenship of people who love to shop here? Mm-hmm. And that's our goal together, to do that. So we spend a lot of time and energy um, and support working directly with them to do that. And now a word from our sponsor. Support for today's episode comes from Sweaty Betty and their power leggings, the I-can-do-anything, bum-sculpting, and squat-proof leggings that feel just like a second skin. I've been living in these leggings for everything from my long weekend runs to my favorite burn class to weekend errands. They're so comfy, plus they stay in place and wick away sweat, so I'm not drenched by mile three. I just love them. The design team behind these leggings is all female, which means they ensure these leggings fit perfectly and flatter the female form. Plus, all of Sweaty Betty's products are trialed by female staff to ensure they perform to the highest standard. If they don't like it, it doesn't get made. Right now, you can try your first pair of power leggings for 20% off when you go to SweatyBetty.com and use the code GLOSSY. Once again, that's SweatyBetty.com and use the code GLOSSY. So you mentioned like it's the, the partnership. Is that new for, for a lot of these companies? And so how do you make them think like, OK, what's going on in your store? Like how can this basically be parlayed into a broader uh, marketing push for for the space overall? Uh, you know, if that's not really the type of relationship they're used to with like a real estate or or, um, you know, multi-brand mall setting, how do you kind of teach them like what's possible? That's a great question because there is a real the over time the idea of like we have a national campaign and that's what we do mm-hmm. has become uh, a challenge right and because we're like everything we do is super local right and we think about like the five block radius you know and then we think about the concentric circles around that mm-hmm. and like who's coming where are they coming from what do they want to do when they get here and so. We, we, we work very closely with our, our different, our building departments, our leasing departments to make sure at every level of the company, we're sharing the opportunity. And so now over time, you know, I've had, I have really good relationships with most CMOs at most of these brands mm-hmm. um, because I went in early to present to them all the kinds of opportunities. Um, they talk to each, we've, we've created an, an environment where they can collaborate with each other. So we had a few CMO summits or marketing summits, communication summits leading up where like we're in this together. We're neighbors. Right. And so the idea that, you know, you want to work together to create something, 
super unique is great. Also, knowing that others are considering this and it's a leg up potentially mm-hmm. right. makes people react and want to do more on right. a local level, right? right. So that, that, oh, wow, they're doing that. Yeah, so, like, I can't, exactly. <laughs> so, there's no, that helps. Right. And so, in these conversations that you've had, what, what do you find that retailers, and I'm sure it varies from brand to brand, of course, but, you know, in general, what are they looking for in a, in a partnership with, with a, you know, a Hudson Yards type? Because I'm sure, like, everyone's trying to get away from that kind of, uh, what would it be, passive mall setting where mm-hmm. you're just kind of there for the foot traffic and, you know, people are going to go to X store and so maybe they'll walk into yours on the way. Like, it seems like any sort of approach to to a retail setting now has to be very active. You have to, you know, give people a reason to come in. And mm-hmm. so in talking to them, you know, how, how are they thinking about doing that? And just, you know, what do you think that the consensus around what they wanted to get out of the experience was? Well, I, th- I mean, I think they're actually, a lot of them are rising to this, which is incredible. Like, you know, we are very proactive. We're pushers, you know, so we we want something new every time you come to Hudson Yarns. And so, you know, we launched with this off-the-wall art program, mm-hmm. changing out artists all the time, you know, a real experiential environment. But even in the last couple of months that we've been open, you know, Coach did an amazing, I don't know if you saw Coach Create, mm-hmm. where they did this, this really fun collaboration with designers and artists out on the public square in front of the vessel. They shot tremendous feedback from it, so much excitement, great sales, you know, and um, they were thrilled to do it. And they came to us first and we said, we're going to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And we created a partnership structure to work with them in order to deliver on this experience because it was the first time they ever did that in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yes, we need to do it because it's the first ever. Right. And so um, Arcadium, uh, you know, we just saw that incredible Richemont shop and, you know, the, where they did all their brands and that's closing tomorrow, I think. Right. And so that's a really fun, interactive environment where early on we had gone into Cartier and those brands to talk about, you know, how they do something different and they did something exceptional, you know? Mm -hmm. And so this idea of offering them an opportunity to create an innovative lab environment to explore and to touch their customers in different ways, you know, and to talk to their customers in different ways, that's what they're looking for. And that's what we want to provide. So, Mm Um, so, so far, you know, it's been a really wonderful, I mean, Neiman Marcus is another good example. This is their store of the future. You know, they're doing, um, installations all the time, spilling out, get, getting really active in how they have people interact with the store. So, right. How has the definition of experiential retail evolved as you've seen? Like you said, it's, it's used a lot. And I think we're kind of getting away from that. Just like, oh, we'll put up an Instagram wall and it's an experience like Customers are, are getting, I think there's a little fatigue around what, yeah. you know, just sort of like gimmicky social media driven things. And but there's also value in, in creating an actual experience. And so from from your perspective, where do you see that headed? Um, it's funny when I think about it, I think about, oh my God, I can't, I mean, I'm going to say this word, but omnichannel originally. Mm-hmm. Right. So all of a sudden integrated marketing became this buzzword of omnichannel. And then omnichannel led to this you know, word of experiential marketing. And now we're at this place where like everyone has fatigue from these kind of trends in marketing that all feel not that unique. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when I think about it, I go back to this idea of like thinking about your customer holistically and their life and you have an opportunity for them to meet your brand and 
you know, deliver something really special for them. And whether that's on their social media feeds, in your store, on your bags, you know, in your service protocol, the way you clientele, you know, in the product that you present, like you have to think about it all together because Mm -hmm. your customer is choosing your brand to be affiliated with. And they're looking at it holistically today, you know, from social responsibility, purpose driven, like all, all of these ways that people are now looking, it's a 360 view. So Mm -hmm. if you're not looking at it back as a 360 mirror, I think you have a challenge ahead of you. So that's what I try to do at all times. Right. Uh, And where does technology fit into that then, especially in the store? Because I think anytime that a brand, especially a digitally native one, goes into physical retail and tries to reinvent the wheel, like you can almost go too far because people know how to shop in a store and, you know, where technology fits into that, I think has not really been figured out yet. And so have you seen anything that, that you think works or just in the ways that you've watched people interact with the stores and Hudson Yards overall, where, where do you see technology really fitting in there? I think it goes back to making people's lives better. Like I th- we've seen um, a lot of people want the shipping options. The simple, just, can you get this home for me? I'm busy. Mm-hmm. But that's New Yorkers, right? Um, or even, you know, visitors who are coming off the High Line who want to ship to their hotel. Like I, I have a packed day in New York. That's the way people interact with New York. It's a walking culture. Like just get it home for me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a simple, great solution, and the people who are doing that are seeing a lot of success. Right. You know? So that's store in, but level, not like mall level. Store level, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so far, we've seen a lot of that kind of excitement over that, you know, or a lot of reaction. Let me mm-hmm. say to like those simple services, um, the on-demand services, you know, of being able to like, can I swing in and get a quick lunch, you know, made for me? That's been really great too. So saving time, where technology saves you time and energy. Those are the things that are very simply working. Right. Um, what we've decided to do is study to see how people sort of interact with technology mm-hmm. over the first couple of months. And as we see those trends sort of come through, we're going to meet those needs as well. Yeah. Uh, so overall, you know, we're, we're a few months in. Anything that's like surprised you about the way that people have interacted, uh, you know, with with the development and or just individual stores or, you know, how are you keeping track of of cust- like I imagine there's so much like customer insight right in front of you. But I know like getting in analyzing customer data from an, a physical setting has been hard. Uh, so how are you one keeping track of just like how people are interacting with the space and then combining that data to, to figure out what, what to come next or like what might be a good opportunity. Um, it just like the customer insights that are, that can be found because it's all right in front of you, but it can be hard to like track and measure. No, you're absolutely right. So, um, a multi-pronged approach, Mm -hmm. honestly. So, you know, we do, we have been conducting a lot of intercept studies, asking people what they love, what they don't, you Mm -hmm. know, what they want here that they don't have. Um, how happy are they? Well, like we have a happiness, like we, we've created like a little happiness index, like mm-hmm. one through 10, like love or hate. And we were asking it like month after month, you know, right. which is kind of great. Um, and so far, thank God we're in the love. We're still in the love. <laughs> yeah. So um, we work with the retailers, you know, and we go in basically every week and talk to them about, you know, are they seeing other bags? Are they see what are they seeing as trends? You know, are they seeing more tourists? And then, you know, we're, we obviously have all of our traditional digital channels. So we're studying, you know, sentiment online. And, you know, we've seen one of the things that surprised me, very honestly, is how many people have been posting from the vessel, you know, Mm -hmm. and then creating their own trends. Like, you know, all of a sudden they see people like celebrating and then they're bringing their dogs and then the sunset has become a really big deal. And so this sort of the self-motivated gathering Mm -hmm. has been really fun to see. And so studying that sentiment through social channels, you know, working 
um, and, and really A-B testing a lot for, you know, and asking people what they think. E-blast and all those sort of traditional digital channels and looking at that entire sort of customer and what they want. But I think one of the things that we are very aware of and we're very aware of early on is that we have a lot of segmentation just by the sheer location of the place. Mm. So, you know, we have office workers, but before we opened, we asked office workers what they wanted, right? And so now we keep asking the employees, like, what what, what do they want out of this, this place? What do they want out of this public square experience, out of this retail experience? And then we have residents, and we talk to them, and we ask them, too. So, I mean, a lot of surveying. And then you have the visitor who wants to these one-of-a-kind experiences. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, we have a lot of interaction with them from like asking people a hashtag or to comment or to talk to us. And then every day um, our front of house service team creates an insight report. And so the insight report basically tells us like what they're seeing, what their feedback has been, um, what people are asking for. And so you take all of those things and you just keep studying and optimizing to meet your customers' needs over time. Mm-hmm. So and and know that it, about eighty percent is you know traditional, but we've given ourselves some leeway from a marketing budget perspective and planning to keep twenty to thirty percent in experiential, so we can react, mm-hmm. you know, to what people are saying, and we can provide things that they want that we didn't think of. Right. You know? Yeah, I think that's really important because when you look at you know, just how you have stories like, oh, the mall is dying and like what's happening in that in that way and how people aren't really shopping that way anymore. And then you compare it to an experience like Hudson Yards where you have retailers that almost like like to your point earlier, like they want to bring their A game. Like it's almost like looking at what everyone else is doing and figuring out how do we capture all of these different customers that are coming in at once um, to maintain that. Like in those conversations you have with retailers, like how do you express like here's where we are now, but here's where, where we want to be. Here's mm-hmm. how we keep getting there. Um, you know, just keep refreshing the model so that it doesn't kind of end up in that in that dry, like boring retail experience that has happened a lot in the in the physical space. It's funny you say that because I was with a, a partner this morning and I, I start a lot of meetings with like, I do the two month, two year thing, like two months or six months from now and a year from now or two months from now and then two years from now, like where do you see the brand? Where are you going? Like what are the you know big triggers for you? Like how can we think short term and react to things mm-hmm. that you have? You know, because right. people are still coming to us about fashion week, you know, like in two years time, like what does this look like for you? Mm-hmm. And so how do we support that? And this is what it looks like for me. This is where we're at our roadmap. So if you look at what we did Hudson Yards five years ago, we've we've basically roadmapped where we think we're going to 2022. Now, every month, you know, we're studying the data, we're looking at what we're doing, we're working with our partners, we're talking to people, we're studying, 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 um, so we can react to that. But, mm-hmm. you know, so you have this sort of macro strategy, making sure that you keep studying it is is, is critical. So just to stay fresh, we have to. So we're, we're almost out of time, but for people going, what would be like your number one recommendation if someone's going to Hudson Yards? What's like an insider tip if you're, if you're heading there? Oh, my Lord. That's such a great question. Well, one of my favorite days with, you know, that I had with actually my family was that we started at the Whitney and we walked up the High Line. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's so many like really fun little discoveries. It's about discovering the place. So, you know, my kids were on the sequin wall and then we went to like Milo's Wine Bar and I had a glass with my husband. And then, you know, you just discover we went to the children's stores. We bought them some stuff, went into Neiman's, which is so fun. There's so much in there. They have great things for kids and adults that, you know, you can 
enjoy. So like my kid, we found a ski ball at mm-hmm. Neiman's. My kids did that. And then there's a little bar in the back, Bar Stanley, that you can grab a drink. Uh-huh. So this idea of like letting yourself explore the place and just having a really good time mm-hmm. is, I think, the best part of it, you know. And I think that brings people back and back. And I haven't gotten tired for it, from it for, for a second. Like mm-hmm. every time I go, I'm like, Oh, my God. And I'm there almost every day. But there's always something new, you know, and I I want, you know, I hope that people have fun and just let themselves discover the fun that's to be had. You know, and I'll keep coming back. Keep coming back. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Stacey. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the episode. As a thank you for listening, we're passing along a limited time introductory offer on a three month Glossy Plus subscription. Glossy Plus members access unlimited stories, exclusive research and more. Join today for $49. That's $80 off by entering the code intro at checkout at glossy.co slash subscribe. And as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Anchor FM, and leave us any feedback you have. Thanks for listening. Listening.